0: This episode is brought to you by Maui Nui Venison, a mission-based food company bringing the healthiest meat on the planet directly to your door. I have strived over the years to cultivate a deeper connection with the food that fuels myself and my family, balancing nutritional value and ethics that align with our values. This process has led me to harmonize with nature as much as possible. Maui Nui Venison brings this process to fruition. Not only does this company provide the most nutrient-dense meat available, this is the only stress-free, 100% wild harvested red meat on the market. An operation that is truly one of its kind, actively managing Maui's invasive axis deer populations, helping to restore balance to vulnerable ecosystems and communities in Hawaii. Maui Nui seeks to restore balance, not eradicate or farm these animals. Managing populations means only a limited number of memberships are available. Get yours while you can. Go to mauinuivenison.com slash mindful to get 20% off your first order.
1: Before you drift off into one of our meditations or dive into a podcast interview, I would like to share with you one of the new opportunities for our listeners at The Mindful Movement. This is Sarah Raymond, and I'm so excited to announce the expansion of our coaching services to include two of my good friends and excellent coaches, Nikki Dyer and Laura Cannon. Both Nikki and Laura provide their own unique skill sets, allowing us to meet the needs of our growing audience. If you want to learn more, just follow the coaching link in the show notes. As always, we are grateful for your support and look forward to working with you.
0: Hello and welcome to the Mindful Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Les Raymond. Thanks for joining me today for another episode. My guest today is Dr. Andrew Rostenberg. As you may be aware if you've been listening to me over the last several years, I had a really tough time for several years losing my health to a combination of kind of a perfect storm of stress and mold toxicity and Lyme which I know I'm not alone with. Oftentimes these things come together for folks. And it really took over my life where my quality of life had deteriorated quite a bit. I felt like there wasn't really a whole lot I could do outside of my house. It was a really challenging time. And through a lot of hard work and getting really lucky with the people I've been able to get in contact with, I've made huge strides and through that process i've developed a really deep passion for the ideas around self-healing and i'm always amazed at what our body is capable of if we give it the right support the right nourishment the right environment and dr andrew rostenberg has played an integral role for me personally uh, recently as i feel like i've taken some unexpected Backward steps in my healing journey. And through learning what he's offered to the world, um, I've really been able to move the needle and I feel fantastic and I owe a lot to his work. And what I'm amazed at is how simple the ideas were that he was presenting that wind up resonating with me And then in turn, my body really resonating with those very subtle interventions that allowed me to take many steps forward. So my hopes is, as always, to empower people to play a bigger role in their sense of well-being. And I'm hoping that you could find something in this conversation that allows you to maybe take a step that you've been waiting for. So again, I thank you for tuning in. I was really grateful to be able to talk to uh, Dr. Andrew today, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Dr. Andrew, thanks for joining me on the Mindful Movement Podcast. It is really an honor to have you. Um, to start off, I would just like to one thank you for the work that you have done on my own healing journey. It's been very profound going through your old content that now I would say is old content on YouTube that uh, was very eye-opening to me that hopefully we will get into some of the details. I was hoping we could start off by allowing you to kind of introduce yourself to the audience, um, what you're into, and maybe a little bit about how we got there. But I know time is short today and there's some questions I have for you. So, Maybe we could do uh, like the Cliff Note
1: version. Hey, no problem, Les, and thanks for inviting me on. And I, it is kind of ironic that uh, when I look at the content that's out there, uh, as you've as you've uh, described, I'm like, man, it is getting a little old. It's like uh, it's kind of when you create something of value. I think maybe I can look at the the music world, the bands that I grew up loving. That you know, uh, b- bands evolve over time and. Uh, the really great ones they they figure out a way to evolve and continue to bring something uh, unique and creative to the you know to the space um so my name is dr andrew rostenberg and i'm a chiropractor based in idaho and you might be wondering why is a you know what's a chiropractor doing talking about uh you know genetic pathways and nutrition and things of this nature and i would I would say you're not wrong to, you know, have an assumption like that. Um, But the thing to keep in mind is, you know, what I love about my profession, uh, those of you that have had experience with chiropractors and, um, you know, you you might relate to this as well, is in the healthcare system, chiropractors are more focused on cause. And philosophically, we have this philosophy in our profession called vitalism, and it's basically an idea that the human body can heal itself. So I don't think it's completely unique to chiropractic. I think there's definitely been some threads through throughout history of medicine, you know, quote unquote medicine, um, accepting that same idea, but we seem to be the, you know, the kind of torchbearer of that philosophy right now. And so in practice, and I guess in life too, you know, Um, your philosophy matters. And when you have the correct philosophy from 30,000 feet, the effort you put in and the choices, um, really, as you drill down into the details, because you're accurate at 30,000 feet, the choices you make, and then the the kind of the critical path you follow, uh, it does lead you, in my experience, to better and better uh, insights, and you're able to help people. So I love my profession. I love the philosophy of of looking at root cause and I love to solve problems. So uh, basically I took uh, everything I could learn from my profession when I went to chiropractic college and then I went to every seminar on the weekend that I could. I did about 400 hours of postdoctoral training when I was going through chiropractic college. And I was really just impressed with a few extremely gifted and very successful teachers. Who were into functional medicine, and they were showing patients who were extremely sick, uh, essentially disabled, or even on death's door with advanced cancers and pretty complex health problems. And they demonstrated logical cause and effect of how you could change the environment inside somebody's body and change gene expression. and And these people had amazing recoveries, and you know, 25 years later, they're still alive. So. That's kind of the gist thought like chiropractic I love touching people and fixing problems with my hands and then the nutrition genetics you're trying to understand why bodies are doing what they're doing uh, gives me a lot to chew on on the nutrition side and and then I wrote a book about it I think that kind of captures my philosophy as a as an individual and it's called your genius body basically you know the body doesn't make mistakes so we have to we have to keep that in mind when we're taking care of people.
0: I feel uh, bad right now. I didn't know you wrote a book, so I will put that on my to-do list to purchase. Yeah, Um, so
1: here, well, see, Les, I I gave it, I, I created YouTube videos and I blogged because I just was like, you know, the fire was lit under my butt at that time. And then I used the blog to make a book. So this is available. We just got it kind of republished it came out in 2018 but we did a better job with it this time Uh, updated it a little bit it's on Ingram spark and we'll have the ebook ready in about a week but that's been fun giving so you know there it is it's like a i dumped everything i could i poured it all into the book and it's uh it's fun to hear people you know give me feedback that it's it's bringing value to their lives so
0: Great. I will, I will put it on my to-do list, and I will find the link to that and put it in the show notes for the listeners. Awesome. Um, because we're low on time, I do want to jump in a little bit. You, So you're also you're the founder of uh, beyondmthfr.com, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, I think probably a lot of people are familiar with those letters, MTHFR. I guess they refer to a uh, process of methylation, and I'm going to probably butchered this but from what I understand has something to do with the way the body moves carbons around
1: yep exactly
0: Uh, okay and apparently we move a lot of carbons around so the way that we do it is important generally absolutely and I guess there is some common variations in the that relate to the efficiency in which how we do that yes Um, sir yes sir so But in general, beyond MTHFR is basically taking a look at various genetic pathways and how our individuality might dictate common uh, manifestations of like pathologies or problems or symptoms or whatever, but can also be therefore used as a really valuable tool to take a more appropriate um, lifestyle approach to our individuality
1: yeah les it's a it's a it is a complex subject and that's i think what scares you know it's kind of the intimidating part of it is you think about genetics and it's just sort of like people's face goes blank and they start staring off you know off up into this up into the sky um during the headlights i've certainly felt that before but yeah the the website beyond mch far, it's like I've tried to simplify these subjects so there's some value for for me as a practitioner and a person and and then I was like, well, if if, if I find value for it, and my teachers were showing me, you know, I was learning from in these seminars how this process works. There needs to be more information out there and this is one of the frustrating things like it's an information war. So you google something, there's 16 million hits. It's like it's oversaturation. So the the blog and the website Certainly became more popular than I had, you know that wasn't the goal was to be super, super popular. I just needed a platform to kind of express uh, these ideas. But the idea for your for your audience is, you know there's a reason why this is what I really want to communicate to people. There's a reason why people feel depressed. There's a reason why they're anxious. There's a reason why one person can nap at the drop of a hat pretty much anytime anywhere, they could take a nap, and they'd be able to successfully fall asleep for a little while. And there's another person that despite having months of horrible lack of sleep, they couldn't nap during the day to save their life. Like there's a reason why these things happen, just to give you a couple examples. And the reason why is not because or not due to a lack of pharmaceuticals, right? We don't have a humans aren't depressed because they weren't born with enough Prozac in their bloodstream. There's there's got to be a better answer right? Right. So methylation, MTHFR is, is complicated, but it doesn't need to be something that, uh, overwhelms you because when we, when you bring it down to its essence, it's like this elegant process that can, if you get it right, it makes dramatic change, uh, throughout the whole system that you experience. I mean, it changes your brain, it changes detoxification, it helps with growth and repair, and it just like works on healthy aging. And so this is this is trying to answer that question: Why do some families get cancer more than others? Why are some more depressed than others? Why do some have heart disease? Why do some people uh, get addicted to drugs and have that like self-destructive nature going on? Is it just bad luck? Does this does God literally just roll the dice and say, "Ha ha, good luck, guys"? That was fun. That was a fun, fun little, you know, uh, snake eyes and double sixes for you there. You're screwed. You know? Um, I don't think that's, that's not my belief. That's not my experience either. So, um, yeah, let, let's talk about what, what what should we talk about on that subject? How should we jump well, into that? You know, you
0: mentioned like the role methylation has, and one of the things, so I know that a, a big part of my healing journey was around, um, eliminating a a accumulation of toxins from first of all just being on the planet for a while like our environment is like we have detox systems that were like formed as a response to the level the toxic environment that we've like been evolving in which was like really, uh, well, I don't want to say it was low. We had There's a lot of toxins that are just naturally occurring, but we had these systems developed to handle those, this like natural level. And then I guess there's been like a real acceleration over the last 100 or 200 years of the amount of toxic exposure, which is really a lot to ask for these systems like to, to adapt to that, like um, the liver, the kidneys or, or the skin, like the, the changes in these organ systems probably take a lot longer compared to other adaptations. Like you hit the gym, if you're a deconditioned individual, within like six weeks, you could have like uh, noticeably more muscle on your body. Like it's, it's pretty amazing how malleable some parts of our body are. Um, but like when you're dealing with, there's no man-made chemicals and then all of a sudden there's like tens of thousands of them. Or, and they're put not just, you know, in labs, but they're in the food system, they're in the air, they're in the water supply. So like all of a sudden we have a greater burden and our systems might get bogged down. And some of these, like, I know methylation plays a role in getting some of these things out. So these systems get bogged down and then you know, your, your resources internally are kind of spread thin and like something has to give something has to give if you will. So um, one thing that, and I remember the first time I saw a functional medicine doc, they did a test to see, I guess what my MTHFR, what they call SNPs uh, mm-hmm. were, which a single nucleotide polymorphism did That's i say right. that right, That's right. okay it's um, definitely easier yes and and she said something along the lines of this means you're like 40% less good at this thing this process and um it was like something as simple as take some b vitamins <laughs> and um take this kind instead of that kind like take ones that are already methylated to take the burden off your body and you know it took very short period of time to be like oh that like jump-started something, like there's something to that, like vitamins and minerals actually mean something. And um, so, but over time of being on the planet, getting exposure, all these things, then combined with like getting Lyme disease, which is more greater toxic burden, uh, a history of alcohol, so like a chronic toxic burden, and then going on antibiotics for the Lyme, which eliminated a lot of the mechanisms that we have to get rid of stuff in general, get things that our body doesn't want on the inside to get it outside. And it was like a perfect storm to have a lot of symptoms manifest. Um, And I've kind of, I went through a lot of um, like two steps forward, one, two, or three steps back, uh, like roller coasters navigating this. And um, there were times where I made like a lot of progress and I couldn't figure out why. And I would try to like figure out what intervention was the magic one, sure. Um, which was which is a really interesting uh, process. And for those that like to tinker and self experiment, um, you, you probably could, could probably could relate to that. Mm-hmm. But I remember um, being having my eyes really open to a nutrient when I was binging on your your content that seemed to act to my surprise on many different pathways that seemed to be related to what I was dealing with. And it was something that was like, I've never really heard, like I've heard mentioned briefly. um, And I wanted to talk about that a little bit today. It's, It's choline. And from what I understand, when I was learning about it, it was like it acts as if a B vitamin. And I knew at this point that vitamins and minerals were really important. And that like the reason they call it essential is because they're essential. Like a deficiency in any one of them will lead over some period of time to, to some problem. Like some you're dying a little bit early for some reason. It could be a, an hour early or it could be a decade early but like you need these things. And if you don't have them, there's a price to pay. And it's really hard to get them enough of them from nutrition, even if you're, you pay a lot of attention to nutrition. And for some people due to these like genetic variations, it's even harder to get enough from your food and where supporting your body through like supplementation could really make a difference And choline supplementation, moved the needle. And it's, I'm always surprised when I learn about something that's so important yet so seemingly unknown about or untalked about, yet the people that discovered it seem to think it was really important. And then somewhere along the way, it gets uh, kicked to to the curb.
1: Well, you know, choline, it's like what you're mentioning, Les. Uh, Choline is basically a B vitamin. So for the listeners out there, you know, you have B1, B2, B3, and then it skips, goes B5, B6, you know, skips, you have, you could be seven, you don't have a B8, you have a B9, there's no B10, there's no B11, there's B12. And you and, it, and we kind of just accept that um, sort of logically without thinking about it. But there truly was, I mean, they, they numbered the B vitamins up into like almost 20 um, initially when they discovered them. And so choline is really B4. That's why you'll never see a supplement with vitamin B4 in it, but it'll have choline. And just like uh, the other B vitamins, it's essential for life. So, you know, vitamins are basically these compounds that run our uh, machinery at a cellular level. They're cofactors for chemical reactions. And like you mentioned with the toxic burden, yes, we live in a very unique sort of strange period in time when we're just clever enough as humans to solve problems with refrigeration and per- preservation of, of food and distribution and shipping and logistics and all, the, you know, chemistry, right? The miracle of modern chemistry. Um, there's kind of a flip side to that coin too. There's uh, this toxic burden that we're exposed to. So every molecule of, you know, formaldehyde that we get that off gases is off of our, our furniture or the phthalates that are in the carpet that are or the furniture that we purchased that's a flame retardant. and the government says you have to have phthalates on it, if you can't have it burned down, You know, it'll re- supposedly it'll prevent the house from burning down as quickly. Uh, all those molecules that go in our nose and through our skin and in our lungs, in order to be removed, they will permanently have to, uh, they will take with them when they leave our body, You know, molecules of zinc and copper, um, sulfur, and methyl groups and uh, other other antioxidants are consumed so it's kind of like a throughput situation if you have a few molecules that are toxic once in a while your body does fine with that because it doesn't require a high amount of nutrition to offset the burden we've created the perfect storm uh, in our society because we keep farming the same dirt over and over again without really scientifically rebuilding the soil it would probably take two or three growing seasons but we could absolutely completely regenerate the soil nutritionally the problem of course would be people would get really healthy hospitals would be empty they'd go out of business that's the you know the, the, the political re- rationale for not doing it so we use supplements because food is medicine and supplements are concentrated food and food's definitely gotten a lot weaker over the last hundred years, something like 90% of all the minerals and vitamins that our great grandparents ate when they were, you know, young teenagers, we don't have that in our, in our soil anymore. But the cool thing about choline is, um, you're right. It's not for whatever reason, it doesn't get the, you know, it's like the ugly stepsister or something. Somebody just ignores choline. Nobody, nobody gives choline enough attention. Uh, but it's a fascinating nutrient they've, they've proven that a mother, for example, who's pregnant and takes a higher quantity of choline over a thousand milligrams a day, she will develop a baby who is born with a higher IQ, better visual acuity, and more white matter in the baby's brain. You know, it's like a direct correlation to choline intake, and and choline is so important, in fact, for the production of like our white matter. Uh, Because choline is one of, choline turns into phosphatidylcholine, which is this incredible uh, fatty compound that we make the walls of our cells out of. And we make the walls of our, basically our nervous tissue. The myelin and the nerve itself is heavily, uh, contains a huge amount of choline. We can't make enough choline, people will get degeneration of their nervous system. Uh, Their cells won't repair To the same level, they'll have less quality cellular uh, structure. Basically, they'll be aging quicker, as you mentioned. Um, But when women are pregnant, they have a lot of estrogen and there's this unique, you know, genius sort of design in the human body that when a woman has high levels of estrogen, it activates a gene called P-E-M-T. I won't try to pronounce it, Even, even I would probably trip over that this morning. Uh, But P-E-M-T is a lot easier to, to say. And that gene just pumps out massive amounts of choline because when a baby's growing, the most important part of the human body is the nervous system. And when a baby's growing from scratch in utero, you need a lot of choline to build this nervous system. So mother has a lot of estrogen, estrogen turns this gene on and the gene pumps out choline. So men, in fact, men are much more susceptible to choline deficiency in our diets than women because we don't have that high level of estrogen. Um, So you see a lot of fatty liver in men, you see it in women too. Uh, That's another symptom of choline deficiency. And that's because
0: choline helps both like metabolize fat and also synthesize fat. So it makes the fats you need, like the myelin material, like the cell membrane. Also, I think it's involved with making bile which is like a very important substance in our body but then it also plays a role i think at the at the liver um of breaking down fats or getting rid of fats. so if you're not if you're sufficient you'll get kind of an accumulation at at the liver of fats
1: yeah your body's really smart so we over consume so let's take the alcohol component right and i've had I've had moments in my life when I drank more than I should, and um, sometimes people, you know, take that to an extreme. Uh, Alcohol is sugar, so your body converts sugar calories into triglycerides. Because the body's really smart, it says, "Holy smokes, we have all these calories coming in in starch form, carbohydrate, baked potato, pasta, cookies, um, you know, cake, bread, etc." That's way more than I need, and. I'm going to convert this glucose molecule, this starts that are broken down into glucose, I'm going to convert it into a fat. So it turns it into a triglyceride. And a triglyceride has to be packaged into like a, a, a cholesterol molecule in order to leave the liver. And what's re, what, what you're describing right there, Les, is choline is the necessary um, rate limiting in, ingredient to build a a ball full of triglycerides so your liver can get rid of it and ship it to the rest of the body because our blood is water soluble, right? So it's, it's watery in nature and fat and water don't mix. Yet the, the, the workaround is to create choline uh, molecules and create phospholipids out of choline and that allows the fats Of different kinds to safely move around in your blood without you know like creating a big fat glob and creating a an embolism or a stroke so that is pretty important for human that sounds important Yeah. yeah
0: in my experience with it too i started uh taking it and to my surprise like um i don't want to get too graphic here but it was like within a few days there was some uh, moment in the bathroom where it's like, what was that? Like my as if my body had purged something that had been uh, in like a storage closet tucked away for a long time somewhere <laughs> somewhere along my digestive tract or you know hidden in, and I assume it was like the liver finally getting a little bit of support to like move out like crud. Um, Things that have been there from, you know, from either poor lifestyle, growing up on a crappy diet, all the alcohol, the drugs, the toxic environment, whatever it was. And it was like, um, it was somewhat profound. Uh, And and then there was in smaller degree for several days, like a a smaller dose of that. And it was like, I got some new life breathe in me almost as if this very important, like the liver is so important. I know it has like tons of functions. I doubt we even understand everything it does. It's the largest internal organ and it, and if it's, if it's compromised in any way, like something has to give, there has to be something that's kind of getting shorted from its lack of full optimization. And it was as if like they were, my liver like came back online as if whatever was holding it back from being its best liver, all of a sudden was like removed. And like eyes felt brighter, energy, um, digestion, like, like it had very far reaching effects. My skin cleared up and had almost like a, a better consistency to the touch, like a softness, almost, not you know, I'm almost 45. It's not like I had the skin of a baby, but like as if it kind of aged backwards a little bit. It was um it was very eye-opening and i was i mean it was it was a big moment in my house you know we talk a lot in my house about this stuff and then my i can my daughter she's always like willing to tinker and she's like what's dad working what's he taking now he see she sees something new in the supplement counter and she's like should i take this and i'm like i don't know like do a, i always say educate yourself do a little research you know and um, and she experienced the same thing, and she's young, so it probably wasn't the degree I am, uh, I did, but she didn't really have symptoms, but she said she started taking it, and a few days in, it was like, well, that was, that was interesting, you know, coming out of the bathroom in the morning, like, what goes on there? Do you think that because you're deficient, stuff accumulates, and then when you get this, like, surplus, your body's like, oh, I finally got what I needed, let me, like, Let me turn on all these things that I've been waiting to turn on.
1: That's my impression. I mean, you know, what you're describing, Les, would, you know, if only we got that kind of same experience with all the vitamins that we take, you know, that would be an awesome thing to experience. I remember in chiropractic college. I was first getting into supplementation, and I literally remember my brain turning on chewing B vitamins, sitting in lecture like the third or fourth month of a you know three and a half year program. and I was I'll never forget that feeling of giving myself you know support for my own methylation system, which, for the similar reasons, growing up uh, eating garbage diet, I was a chronic meal skipper, real stressful, kind of uh, dysfunctional home life and then i was always like a i mean i'm like a type a leo person you know my birthday's august 4th so i'm always i can't just do things and just enjoy them i have to go completely (laughs) 100 um i'm trying to learn to grow out of that a little bit learn a different approach but good luck with that yeah good yeah i'll get back to you on how that works um but yeah, I remember the, like my brain turning on the moment the B vitamins like hit my mouth and I was like, wow, this is really, you know, it was, it's something I'll never forget, but the body, you know, I've, I've worked with a few thousand patients. I've had about, you know, 20,000 office visits, uh, over 10 years. And the, the takeaway at this point, your bodies are really, really smart. They do not make mistakes and they triage perfectly. So, what I really respect, you know, I read the news, and I'm a diagnostician, and I love functional mesh medicine, I love relationships of how things work together. And so there's plenty of things in the world to get stressed out about and like bring you down. But working with people, and seeing how their body works and realizing like, hey, this body in front of me is literally doing the exact correct thing every second it's alive, there's no error. Uh, it doesn't make mistakes. It's not vindictive. It doesn't get you back on Monday for what you did to it last Thursday. You know, it doesn't play passive aggressive and it's just, I love the, I love the, uh, working with that canvas, if that makes sense. Um, so choline though, um, it, it's, so if we tie it into methylation, one of the reasons why you can feel such wide ranging improvements from choline is, Choline is not only the limiting ingredient to make cholesterol and move it into the blood, it also changes the recipe of bile. So bile is supposed to be the consistency of what Dawn dish soap would be. Uh, If you were to go to the grocery store and buy a bottle of Dawn, you you could turn the bottle sideways and smash it really hard and you would probably squirt it several feet through the air across the room. Versus molasses, right? You couldn't take a jar of molasses and get it to move very fast. You hold it upside down. You have to wait uh, and keep waiting and keep waiting, and that thing's just slowly going to come out. That's what our bile is like without choline. It's like sticky molasses. And when you start to take choline in and get the right amount for your body, it begins to thin the bile, and so the body is a lot more effective at uh, producing bile and getting it to exit the body. That's probably one of those. Uh, bathroom moments, people notice it might make your stool darker, actually, you might see a green color, because the only reason our stool looks brown is from the release of bile. So if you start changing bile function, through choline supplements, you might notice uh, light tan go to dark mahogany, you might notice some of those changes. And that's completely that's to be expected given how it works. Uh-huh. And
0: and bile, can we double-click on bile here a little bit? So I've heard this referred to as like the liquid gold, like its importance in the body. So it's you, you mentioned dish soap, and if I understand this right, it's it's essentially the emulsifier that allows us to take what's generally a fat-soluble like toxin and integrate it with more of the you know water watery systems of our body that we use to get rid of things, whether it's through uh the in the colon or through the kidney or through urination so bile plays this role to help emulsify the yucky stuff to help move it out but from what I understand it's kind of expensive to make so we have like you said there's like no waste so we we have our own like um recycling process to so that we're not making a full new batch every time we move something out only a little bit gets moved out and then some gets kind of recirculated so if it's not of good quality like consistency or viscosity or like it doesn't have that dish soap feel uh that the that crud that's in it that didn't get out gets essentially recirculated and kind of retoxifying our body in a sense in this like feedback loop that we have where we don't want to waste it because it's just expensive to make.
1: I mean it is expensive and yeah we we absorb about 95% of it. So if we absorb if we released an ounce of bile at a meal then you'll reabsorb 95% of that and only five percent will go out when you have a bowel movement. Uh so that's also why like so bile being released from your liver is what we would call phase three detox so you kind of alluded to it earlier we have phase one that's the the analogy would be lighting a lighting wood on fire in your stove phase two is making or your your um yeah your wood stove phase two would be making sure the smoke and the toxic fumes go up the chimney while the heat just stays in your house and is what you're you know you get the benefit of the heat without the toxic smoke. That's phase two. Phase three is would be somewhat analogous to cleaning up the ash that's left behind from this process and physically putting that out at the curb or mixing it into your compost pile out back and it's out of your house. So bile is really phase three like emptying your bladder is phase three because it's physically leaving the system um and same with bile whatever gets into your gallbladder never goes back into your liver it, it for all intents and purposes what's in your gallbladder is analogous to you know the dumpster outside of a fried chicken restaurant uh in your in your downtown area where you live okay it never goes back into the kitchen but it doesn't mean that the dumpster gets emptied correctly you know hmm. you can still have problems out of the dumpster that it can make the restaurant right. problematic you know? yeah, yeah. Um, So I have to come up with analogies, man. You know, (laughs) we we talk about this stuff. It's uh I I don't I don't have confidence that I've communicated well to my patients, uh, talking the scientific language. So I'm always looking for for metaphors.
0: (laughs) No, but that's useful. So the the liver makes it, it's stored in the gallbladder. When you eat fat, your gallbladder is like a little pump, it squirts some out so that it could work that fat. And the idea is all the bad stuff that comes into the system, we, we're using that bile among other things to get it out. And if that's compromised in any way, you have some kind of stagnation. You have some kind of uh, restriction of the general flow of our, of our human system. And there's likely to have some consequence to pay over time of not if, but when. And there are certain nutrients at the core to all those processes that not only are super important, they're just generally unknown. They're just not like, some of them might be outright disrespected. Like they're just kind of forgotten. Um, and choline is one of them. Like I know when I think of vitamins and minerals that have really moved the needle for me, magnesium is also like stuck out. Whereas like I don't, once I start taking them, like how did I ever live without magnesium? Like it, a little extra magnet, I don't know if it's because the soil is depleted like you mentioned, but clear or maybe I'm just not eating enough of the right foods but clearly I am better off if I supplement that and I I'm just always amazed that you know of how much that could be mean for me and I wonder about all the people out there like I know there's so many people that just don't feel their best they don't know why and like here Our big thing here I've repeated many times is I want to empower folks to play a bigger role in their sense of well-being, whatever that means for them. And nutrition is like such a big lever to pull when doing that. And we're generally uneducated. And I find that your resources are very useful to to kind of educate the self. And there's plenty of, you know, books and other resources out there also are working with the nutritionists. And then the interesting part that you seem to be uh, intertwined with is how that genetic variability that we might have relates to what vitamins or minerals might serve you better. Like you mentioned, choline being uh, related to a rate limiting step. So like all these we're like a system of systems and every little system has kind of some flow chart, essentially, that's like taking place where, you know, you eat a food, you break a protein down to amino acid, and then that amino acid goes down some kind of pathway to turn into, let's say, a neurotransmitter that it makes us feel a certain way or motivates us to do something. But the, every step has like these different parts, like the cofactors that allow some kind of action to potentiate to the next step. And everybody could have their own unique little bottlenecks due to the variation of the Genetics. So taking a look at those pathways, and then using your expertise with like whatever data points you have around symptoms and such, you could maybe not guarantee, but you could at least come up with something that's like worth trying. Like there's a good chance that you know this this could be a rate limiting step in your process uh, for for you know this system in your body. Um, let's try supporting it and seeing. What happens and supporting with something that already naturally it's not like you're taking some lab made pharmaceutical it's just look at what the body naturally is made to use to support this, and like let's just give it a little extra and and if you 're missing it and then you give it there's a good chance you'll get some kind of signal you'll have some kind of barometer to say oh yeah that uh, that helped and i've experienced a lot where i 've gotten nothing like I've spent a lot of money when I, especially when I was sick and I was in the I'll do anything to feel better phase. Money doesn't have the same value as it used to. And I'll just spend money on trying things. And I would say the majority of the things I tried, there was no signal. So like when I get a signal, it's awesome. And I always wonder like who else out there could use just this little thing. And it seems like things that move the needle the most are really the least expensive.
1: They're usually pretty pretty simple stuff, but when you're sick, you know, les when when someone's sick and they've had a complicated uh, you know experience and run in and they've been to a bunch of different doctors and it just keeps getting more complicated, the assumption that human beings make because we're not perfect, is my my situation seems complicated. My health problem seems complicated. Therefore, without obviously, the solution must be super complicated, right? And that's what i I found that to be. Just one of our human, uh, you know, uh, tendencies that that doesn't really help us to think that we just project that complication onto everything. Um, but maybe one of the questions we should ask is like, who's choline, who should eat choline? And it, you know, everybody has a requirement for choline. The The devil's in the details, or what, what I find really interesting is we go back 30 or 40 years in this country and what did they demonize? They demonized butter and eggs and saturated fat. Horrible advice. It's killed, it's it's killed people. Lots and you know, millions of people have died from that advice. Because what people did was they right? They they took out the the natural fats rich in choline, fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin E and vitamin A and vitamin D, and they put in seed oils that basically rancidify and create massive amounts of inflammation it's a bad trade i would always suggest somebody eats egg yolks and butter for their fat then 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 go eat you know canola oil or corn oil or you know rapeseed oil is horrible it's a conspiracy against human nature what we have to live through like the propaganda is so strong we can't it makes sense that people are confused because they've heard it they've heard opposing viewpoints you know it's like (laughs) yeah the the seed oils
0: are seem to be the most like insidious uh aspect or t- of of our food supply and it's been normalized to some un- crazy level where like you can't go out to a restaurant without being exposed to them
1: you can't and it's you know i heard that mcdonald's i'm not giving them a pass okay but you okay. know i'm i grew up eating eating it and back in the 80s and a little before all of their fries all the oil in mcdonald's was beef tallow now if I was going to cheat and go to eat fast food, would I rather eat fries, deep fried in beef tallow and know I'm cheating and not eating good food? I would, yes, of course, want to do that versus fried, you know, fried food and seed oil or something. So it's almost like, yeah, you know, uh, a little bit of that would be fine in moderation once in a while, but that's not how uh, it's, it's marketed or, or consumed. But going back to choline for a second, there's one person out there who should not be eating choline. And this gets into the idea of epigenetics and the environment and how certain vitamins you take have uh, effects on your biome. They, you know we can look at vitamins as you've described them today, uh, like fertilizer. okay? So it's cellular fertilizer. If you sprinkle vitamin B vitamins into a, a dish with bacteria, a petri dish, believe it or not, the bacteria will grow much faster and they'll be more active because you're giving them fuel same would be true for yeast and fungi and just go on up the you know the complexity chain you know if you give animals supplements to their diet they have better energy and more you know they move around better they have better brain function and so do we but if you have a problem in your gut like you've been exposed to antibiotics and you've been uh you grew up in america eating standard american food stressed out you know uh taking antibiotics for the ear infections and the seasonal cold that you have several years in a row, et cetera, which is pretty common. Choline is rocket fuel for cellular function. And the question is whose cellular function? So if you have these bad bacteria, these more aggressive kinds of bacteria in your gut and you eat, uh, you know, grass fed beef and you eat seafood and you eat a bunch of, uh, you know, healthy, even, you know, local organic free range eggs those are high choline foods but your gut isn't healthy over time if you eat rich like that it does increase the risk of cardiovascular disease because the bugs are eating the choline converting what is supposed to be a vitamin into a toxin but as soon as you clean your biome up and you do some restorative work uh, getting rid of some of those aggressive bacteria species and yeast overgrowths and you create more of a balanced biome then you can begin to benefit from the vitamin I just find that relationship you know um, very interesting on a daily basis in practice that not even is it like who has which gene not even is it just the genetics and does this person need more b vitamins because of their genetics they very well might but are they ready for it so there's that whole concept of like timing when do you give these vitamins to people and have you done your due diligence on the gut first so that's another variable you know yeah we
0: had uh i guess probably a year or two ago dr michael rusho on on the podcast who has a book called healthy gut healthy you really uh exposed me to the idea where you know oh whatever the problem kind of start there first like heal heal the gut because of all of its far-reaching actions and then and then like reassess like make some progress with the gut and then reassess because just that act alone might allow the body's inner wisdom to kind of finish whatever healing is necessary anyway. Um, And surprisingly, I guess I was surprised that all the different things that have an effect on the gut, like in general, we would think that it's just the things that we put in our mouth, whether it's food or drink, but um, like other things can have a big impact too. Like uh, anything that can cause stress, like our stress level, like whether it's are the thoughts that are rattling around in our head or the emotions that we have difficulty handling or emotions or traumas that we've like tucked away and hidden from ourselves. To my surprise, like all those, all those aspects of, you know, being a human, things that we generally all will experience at some time, you know, our response to those things, the way, the tools that we have to, to manage those uh, can affect the quality of our our gut and the way that it's behaving as far as what that microbiome makeup is. Um, whether that's through like excessive cortisol production or whatever it is, I don't know all the mechanisms there. But like you could affect your gut positively by doing something very unrelated to food, like uh, taking a walk in the forest or, you know, reading a book. Having quiet time, meditating, spending time with loved ones, being in the sun, which I think is really fascinating.
1: yeah, the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic, the autonomic coming through the vagus nerve, you know, it is it is a really good thing to be aware of. And you're right. I couldn't take somebody who has a super stressful lifestyle. they're not they're not practicing good like personal emotional hygiene. They're not making, making time for those, uh, you know, quality things that you just described, you know, walking barefoot in the grass, you know, that's really good for you too. You can take a lot of supplements and you can work that angle, but, uh, we are emotional, spiritual, physical, biochemical beings all at the same time. So, I mean, there are, there are definitely times clinically when you see all the evidence of a gut problem you do, you can do, Functional medicine testing on patients, looking at organic acids. You can do stool testing. You can really figure out what's living in the gut. You can make great recommendation on supplements that works for 19 out of 20 people. But sometimes uh, there is other stuff in the way, and that's why I like to, you know, I I may recommend somebody go do, goes and gets acupuncture. We have an acupuncturist who shares office space with us. So sometimes sometimes you need acupuncture. Sometimes you need uh tapping or emotional freedom technique or cognitive behavioral therapy so a good doctor is going to be flexible and think creatively and the problem with our healthcare system in general my observation is just that doctors are no longer rewarded for creativity and i just it kind of makes me bummed out because i i just don't know how you solve problems without creative thought process i'm just like how do you do that you can't if you get punished for being creative then you're never going to solve anything man
0: That's really profound. uh, That take. I like that. Uh, Yeah. It's like uh, maybe they're just kind of handcuffed in a system where you're told kind of what to think and not necessarily how to think and um, it limits your critical thinking or the, how the creative, the creativity is a little different. That's really, that's really interesting. It would be interesting if doctors felt that they had a a pass to like not be a do no harm is number one. Number one, but not to be afraid to make a, a wrong choice as long as you know the risk, the potential. You know the risk is not too great. Um, it would be interesting to see what what solutions would arise out of that collective mindset if creativity was nourished or um, supported, promoted. That's really interesting.
1: And I think that's why functional medicine is such a growing field and people, you know, the the out-of-pocket expenditure on alternative medicine and supplements far exceeds the out-of-pocket expenditure on medical care. So traditional medical care out-of-pocket expenditures is less now than the the willing voluntary out-of-pocket expenditures people are making on supplements and healthy alternative treatments. And, and, you know, we just need both. It's just strange to think to me, it's kind of like a guild. It's like, there's a group of, you know, carpenters in town and they will destroy your car- the career of and run out of town, a carpenter who's not part of their guild. And I'm like, you know, that's the old mentality I see with medicine. It's sort of like we'll handle everything from, you know, if you have a mental problem, we'll give you a drug to change your chemistry. If you have a pain that we don't understand we'll just give you a muscle relaxer and some some hydrocodone and send you home but they have some things they're really good at and it's it's just as a as a consumer as an individual raising a family or you know navigating the world you're in you just have to kind of recognize medicine has its limitations it's really good incredible over this narrow spectrum and if you're in that spectrum with your problem go there and know that you know they're the best choice but they're just uh they're not paid to make you healthy the insurance companies they that's just they're paid to keep you from dying and keeping you from dying and making you healthier two very different conversations very different things yeah
0: so i i had a couple other questions but i know we're short on time and i'm afraid we can,
1: we, can, we can push it to 8 let's push it to 8:40 and that'll okay. be the markup so
0: so um so one thing so i was so just some background so i had uh regressed in my healing for some time and during that time and this is after like a three or four year process that was like a real slow grind to get better and then I regressed and then I that's when I found you binged on all your stuff tinkered with a couple of your ideas first of all I was like the detail in your content linking some of the things that I was dealing with Um, was very eye-opening the things linking like choline oxalates methylation with what my genes were saying was like really eye-opening and in doing so it seemed like that choline was such a big player that by the time you because you were kind of booked out a little time so I made the appointment you know for like a couple months later because of your availability by the time I was approaching the appointment I was all better but i was like part of me wanted to just keep the appointment to share that with you i felt like really grateful for what i've learned from you, you and i wanted to look you in the eye and tell you and then also kind of have a a a a well visit with someone and like where do i go from here
1: yeah
0: um and uh it it was obvious that that was not a typical consult that you had Uh, somebody that
1: was feeling great (laughs) it's not it's not typical but but it but it's uh it's nice for a change you know yeah so um i'm uh, i was grateful
0: that i could uh be that uh, change for you and i remember asking you like so what's new for you like what what's interesting and you had mentioned a product um, and honest, uh, full disclosure, not the least expensive. This is not like a vitamin or mineral, but at the very least, it was interesting enough to me to give it a, at least a try. I think it's called LifeWave. And the, the mechanism of it, I found very interesting because I've kind of been obsessed with like uh, light and its role in our physiology. And I'm kind of become a sun worshiper to some degree and... And you mentioned that there's this sticker that you could wear, it's not even a pill, that if I, and you could clarify, but uses your body's heat to activate and then shines a light on you in a particular spectrum that activates this particular pathway that plays a role in the the creation or development or stimulation or whatever of stem cells. Um, Yeah. And I put one on my belly, which hurt like a mother. Taking off later that <laughs> night because I have some hair on my belly, um, and I had trouble sleeping that night. I had so much freaking energy. I didn't know if it was placebo. I was like, "Is this real?" Like I was talking to my wife, like something's really crazy. Like there's, I I didn't expect anything at least because I think the. What I read was like, give it a few months kind of thing and see what happens. But the first couple days I had such an intense, it was, a, it was so much energy, it was a little anxiety producing. Um, and then that seemed to have settled down. I don't know what I've noticed yet. I haven't been super consistent. I went out of town a few times and didn't bring it, but um, I bought a 30 day supply of these little stickers. Can you tell us a little bit
1: about what these things do and what you've seen? Absolutely. So, you know, you the danger in getting good at something or having experience as time goes on is, you know, in the beginning, it's a steep learning curve, and there's all this new stuff. But when you really sink your teeth in and try to really understand functional medicine and take the kind of take the the buffet, take the survey what's out there at a certain point, you don't always find new stuff. And that's okay, because you there's always more to learn, there's lifetimes worth of learning. Uh, but to the, to the point that you, at, that you asked me, you know, Hey, what's new? Well, when I was going through my training with functional medicine and, you know, with these doctors who are traveling all over the world, teaching, treating the sickest patients, I never heard a single solitary thing about, uh, copper peptides, you know, it's like never mentioned, never, it was never brought up. And a couple of years ago, uh, a colleague of mine, a friend, a chiropractor and, um, you know, natural medicine doctor that's that uh, works in the same town as I do. He's kind of a mentor. He dropped a few of these patches off and he's like, he just kind of dropped them off, said, hey, check these out. These are pretty cool, you know? And I sat on my desk for a few weeks and in typical uh, Dr. Andrew style, I'm like, well, I, I can't really, I don't know what to do with something until I know how it works. I have to take it apart, figure it out. So I dove into the subject and it was really interesting. Uh, There's about 500 published studies on a copper peptide called GHK. And GHK was discovered you know, the, right around the time when stem cells were, were discovered. And stem cells were discovered by two Canadian uh, biologists, PhDs in 1960, um, 1961. So right around the time DNA was figured out, they figured out stem cells. And stem cells, of course, are the blank kind of canvas that can become anything, right? It could literally be, it could literally heal the cuticle in your thumb if you smash it in a door, or if someone were to have Parkinson's or have a spinal cord injury. There is evidence that stem cells. I mean, stem cells can become new neurons, new myelin coverings, new eye, new retinal cells. I mean, this is what they're capable of. Really powerful idea to have a blank slate uh, cell that can become anything. So they were discovered in 1961. And the, most of the research, like the vast majority of all the research is done and invested in by the cosmetic industry. And it makes sense because what the cosmetic industry figured out was they said, wow, OK, GHK is a copper containing peptide, a little chain of amino acids with a copper molecule And when it's put into a cell or when a cell is exposed to this, uh, the cell makes stem cells. And they're like, well, that's good for us because we sell beauty and anti-aging. And if we can get a cream that has this GHK in it and we can have our clients rub it on their face over their wrinkles, after doing that for a few months, the wrinkles are going to go away. And it's not a gimmick and it's not marketing. It's literally because the cream that you're buying from these cosmetic companies has this peptide in it. It soaks into your skin. And then you make new collagen, new fibrin, new elastin, new, uh, the old cells are killed, new cells are planted. It's pretty amazing. Uh, It just happens to cost $275 a month for that bottle of uh, lotion. And it's only going like where you're rubbing it. And then you have the other side of the equation. You have stem cells uh, that some of your audience I'm sure are familiar with that are used in an injection, you know, and those are hard to harvest. There's some ethical problems with it. Some of the stem cells are, you know, are collected during uh, delivery of babies, like in the cord blood, you know, and I don't know how, again, it just introduces a whole lot of ethical bioethics and, uh, you know, kind of contamination issues. And so people pay five, $8,000 for these stem cell injections and it can dramatically change the cartilage in their knee or their shoulder problem. But again, injecting stem cells from outside your body, they can be rejected too. So I'm keeping all of this in mind and I'm like learning about stem cells really for the first time a couple of years ago on that level. And this little patch is sitting on my desk and I'm like, okay, so how does this thing work? You know, I get, I get that people inject it and I see that there's, you know, products that you rub on your skin. What happens is uh, what LifeWave did, and um, I should say they've been around about 20, 25 years, and, and the inventor has developed a technique of creating organic compounds made out of like organic salt crystals that basically this the material on the sticker doesn't transfer into your body, right? It just sits on the top of your surface of your body. And we're always giving off photons of light. There are measurable, scientifically, uh, you know, Uh, discernible amounts of photons of light just coming off of our body since the moment of conception and now we're you know full grown they're going off all the time so those photons slam into this material on the sticker and then they bounce back into your system with a new vibration which is simply a, a an instruction to increase the production of ghk not under the sticker but everywhere and it, it's a little left field, you know, you're thinking, wow, you know, light bouncing through me and changing my behavior of my cells. But as you mentioned too, Les, like it's uh, no different than listening to a song and feeling chills go down your body or getting out in, sun, in the sunshine and your mood and your, your whole mental space shifting within just a few seconds of that light hitting you. Uh, we, if we're really honest with ourselves intellectually, we're having those experiences all the time. Um, and so GHK, in, in, in terms of a tool in my practice, what, it, what I think it could be interesting for your audience is, you know, there's people out there who, I see really sick patients sometimes, right? I see people who, um, they are unable to function. They've been disabled for decades because of their health problem. It might've been chronic mold and then Lyme on top of it. And they may have been bedridden for six or nine months or even years. And they just, through their own like, human spirit, they can get out of bed and, and start to function again, but they're really unwell. So we do all the funct- functional medicine stuff we know how to do, and it makes them better. But in one example, this woman uh, who I'm thinking of, she had gone through all the functional medicine, cleansing, detoxing. She bought a hocket machine for her house, which is like a huge investment. It's like a machine that you know, you can look those up. They have red lights. They have infrared therapy. They're a sauna. They're an ozone generator. They're an amazing tool, but she was willing to invest to get better. Kind of like what you were describing. And this uh, person had a pretty bad tremor. She doesn't have a diagnosable neurology problem. There's no name associated to it, but she would only be able to function during the day if her tremor was not too strong. And so every day it was, it was, this is what I'd like to accomplish. I'd like to run this errand or get this done can my trimmer allow me to do that? That was her life. And we recommend patches for her. We recommended X39 and she started using them. And about two weeks later, she comes in basically with her, uh, her, uh, trimmer, like 90%, 80 to 90% gone. And for her, it's, it's been like a miracle. So that's kind of the basic, just thought. There's like you said, not everybody, um, feels their life change and gets an 80 to 90% improvement uh, when they tried them. But I would say the same thing about vitamin D and other B vitamins and other things. Sometimes people take them and they're just like, it's good for me. And they don't necessarily see the change, but it's something something worth looking into for the audience. If you want to know more about it, um, we'll put a link up for you guys. But uh, it's a way to biohack yourself using light. And as a Person who built his reputation on genetics and MTHFR and pathways. There's one reference I want to share, and then I'll hand, I'll, I'll I'll pass it back, uh, Les. But they did a they did a study, and what they did is they asked a question scientifically. They said, "What peptide, what molecule in the human body controls the most genes?" Okay, so here's a, here's somebody again. whole reputation is built on epigenetics and like helping people optimize their genes. I'm like, well, that's an interesting question. I haven't asked that myself. And what they figured out was the GHK copper peptide that we all naturally make is the ultimate genetic uh, controller, controls greater than 4,000 genes. So if you get this thing right and we do it naturally, so there's background production, but if you can increase production of GHK then you are improving and affecting four thousand different genes. So I'm like, well, can't you know it's worth a try, right? people uh, people waste money on all kinds of things. I joke around. They buy they buy boats and you know expensive shoes and RVs that they never use. I'm like, just just try it for a couple months, see what you think. you might it might be a game changer for you. <laughs>
0: that's cool and i assume that this is something that as many mechanisms in our body as we age we just get less productive at so you're you're just kind of giving a kickstart to something that's on its decline
1: yeah i mean if you put it on your body and you've got this surge of energy les like that's your your health you know you're a healthy human now and so you you opened up that channel and it like overdrove right like you got so much extra energy it was getting in the way of your sleep and it was like well i'm going too fast that's what it that's what i noticed in my wife as well like uh those first few times something was happening and i think it's kind of the law of we get used to the sensation you put a ring on you feel it on your finger for two seconds and you forget it's there um we look at the ghk these x39 patches as they're called as uh you're just sort of a, an anti-aging process that just goes in the background and they say you wear the idea would be for every decade you're alive you wear them for a month and then you kind of get to baseline and after so if someone's 50 five months after wearing it daily they'll start to sort of reverse the aging process but it takes about a month per decade to kind of get you back to square one. So well, I'm committed
0: to give it a try so I thank you for uh, bringing it to my attention. And I'll, I'll share with the audits. So far, all I've noticed is the first couple of days, insane levels of energy, and then it dramatically dropped off. So I don't know what else to expect, but I'm going to give it, uh, I'll give it a few months and I'll keep you guys posted. And, uh, and I also will try to put a link into the show notes if you want to learn more. And I, full disclosure, I think it's some kind of multi-level marketing thing, which I know turns a lot of people off. Um, it is, it is I, I'm not incentivized for, um, recommending this though. I am interested in, in maybe if, you know, if it is what I, uh, what it says it does, I might be interested in that, but, um, you know, in my past, I found some of those multi-level marketing products to be stupid. And then also some of them to be like really exceptional quality. Um, and I am hopeful and wonder that that's kind of what this is. And I get the impression that, uh, it is, I just, uh, I, I personally need a little bit more time before I'm going to like recommend it, but I definitely recommend at least learning. I'm always, you know,
1: if somebody has an EMF sensitivity, we found that the X 39 does really, really well. Like we oh, would, interesting. we put cell phones on people and then call them and they, we turn the cell phone on and lay it on their body. And We can muscle, we can do, you know, biofeedback testing and other uh, analysis. And you can just, their body's taking it like a, um, it's like a noxious stimuli. It's irritating their system. And then we can simply put a patch underneath the phone and it'll silence all that negative reaction. And one of the reasons is when you build Faraday cages and when you ground electrically, it's using copper wires. So if you, there's something valuable about having these copper peptides in our system kind of acting like a faraday cage for our own system in this electronic world we live in so i think oh, it's interesting it's, it's worth learning more about yeah. totally i agree with everything and
0: it is i guess supplemental because we can get copper ideally you get copper through food like by eating your liver once a week or whatever there are sure. foods that are high in copper and generally they're you know they might not be the most popular foods Uh, Liver seems to be kind of the ultimate uh, multivitamin of some sort in the food matrix, and um, I think that is high in it, and most people aren't really uh, itching to put that on their plate on a daily basis, (laughs) but um, maybe I'll do a little uh, search of what other foods have that uh, just to learn more about the role of copper in the body. I don't think we need a lot of it, but the amount, the little that we do need, I think is really important from
1: what I understand. 100%. If you want to know a really good resource for research, it's the Linus Pauling Institute. Okay. Uh, He, you know, probably the greatest American scientist of all time. The Linus Pauling Institute is at the Oregon State University. And you just type in copper Linus Pauling Institute, or whatever vitamin you're looking at. And I think it's the best succinct, easy to read resource. And I still go back and read it because it's just it's just a great resource. But hey, Les, thanks so much for inviting me on, man. Thank you
0: for coming on. I really appreciate it. Hopefully uh, next year we'll do a part two and get to the questions I didn't have time to. Thanks again for all your help personally for me. I am grateful, and uh, thanks for taking the time. And hopefully the audience out out there has uh, got some value out of it. All right, everybody, have a great day. Thank you. Well, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I of course appreciate your listening. I'm very grateful for all the support. If you have any questions or comments, then. Uh, please send them our way and I'll do my best to respond Um, and check the description for any links that we've mentioned in the conversation and if you feel like you're struggling connecting some dots related to your health and not sure uh, what to do next maybe explore uh, either Dr. Andrew's book or his website or his content and see if there's a gem in there for you to find. Um, just some brief updates one thing I wanted to share is on now these podcasts are now on the second channel which are more educational related our primary channel the mindful movement will still be where the meditations think of that channel being a place for more stillness and this channel being a place for more uh, application or education or movement but um, on the other channel, we are consistently kind of offering a live session on Thursday. Sarah and I are generally taking turns with those. It's been a lot of fun. So they're fairly brief. So I do encourage you to check them out. They're about a half hour long. Uh, Sarah usually does some nervous system work and then uh, a meditation. And I might present it more with a little gentle movement or stretching followed by either some breath work and or some meditation. So please join us for that. And if you feel that you know someone that would benefit from the conversation you just heard or any of the content that we're providing, then we just ask you to spread the word. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope everybody has a terrific day.